So the question is, how do women like us, age 50 plus, and dealing with high blood pressure, high blood sugars, and rising cholesterol levels, how do we keep our health numbers under control while we're trying to squeeze all the goodness we can from our life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I uncover the secrets of living a plant-based lifestyle, including how to avoid taking medicine simply by eating whole foods, shed the extra fluff around your middle without being hungry or joining a gym, make big lifestyle changes even if you think you have no willpower, eat food you love with no portion control. Let's get your doctor to say, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. All this without meds or restrictive dieting. I'm Robin Wong, and welcome to No Pills, No Hunger. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, wow, it is Friday. I am, what a week, huh? Yeah, happy Friday to you. Uh, This is Robin Wong. You are listening to No Pills, No Hunger, episode number 107. Yeah, you know, I was gone for a few days and, you know, what is it? You go and have this great time and you come back and work 10 times as hard to catch up, right? So a lot went on while I was gone for those few days up in, up in the mountains. And so I've been returning phone calls, answering questions, and which I love doing, but I'm just trying, I don't like keeping people waiting. So I've been busy doing that. And ah, thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. Yes. Um, and going through those questions, I... Uh, and responding to emails. Uh, The topic of prediabetes came up a couple of times. And so I want to address that a little bit. Uh, Prediabetes, you know, I interviewed somebody in um, the summit uh, and um, Denise Pancreas, which is kind of funny. Her last name is kind of spelled like Pancreas. And I'm like, was that, is that a stage name? She's like, no, it's my real name. Um, But she has this whole idea about um, the, 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 di- the diagnosis of prediabetes should just go away. I mean, because you're either normal or, you, or you're not, okay? And so this range of prediabetes uh, really gives people, um, the, you know, this false sense of, of safety that they're not going to get diabetes. And really what it, it, really what it does for many people is it, um, it's just a, a level of procrastination, right? We know that it's hard for people to take action and um, unless things are really bad. And even then, some people don't. They just shrug their shoulders and say, ah, it's just fate. I'm just going to do what happens, happens. But I mean, I'm in the business really of behavior change. That's what dietitians do. People think we do meal plans and we, and we do some of those. But, uh, and we talk food and we talk digestion and we do all that. But really, to get results, uh, we're about you know getting people to make changes and make behavior changes that stick long term for for better health. So, you know, really, people, um, it's it's just a human condition almost that the average person, many of us, procrastinate about doing that, and we find change very difficult, especially when it comes to our food. It's really interesting. People are very tied to food for many reasons and um, habit, you know, foods is really a habit. So, um, so anyway, you know, so I, I, this idea of prediabetes, um, 
I, I sort of get why, why they do it, um, why they have this range. And so, because they want people to, to it's a wake up call, but I wish there would be more of an emphasis put on prediabetes because with simple changes, people can really avoid getting type two diabetes if they, you know, their numbers edge up. So, you know, um, prediabetes and type two diabetes, which prediabetes is prediabetes before it, right. Um, are caused by a drop in insulin, um, sensitivity. Okay. So, um, and that's blamed on that insulin sensitivity, um, when they, you, when you lose it, meaning you're insulin resistant. So you hear these different terms, you start becoming insulin resistance and that is blamed on this intramyocellular um, lipid. And what is that? Well, you know, it lipid is fat and inter is inside and, you know, myocellular is, is inside your muscles. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, so that's the buildup of fat inside our muscle cells and saturated fat, which is the fat you eat in animal products that brings with it. Um, you hear me say this all the time. It brings with it cholesterol and it brings with it zero fiber. Um, it can really be toxic to the insulin producing beta cells, which are in your pancreas. And so, you know, um, this animal fat consumption can really impair this insulin secretion and not just the insulin sensitivity. So we know that this buildup in your fat is not letting your insulin do its job, but we also are, you know, they're doing research and learning that this, this fat can also really affect your pancreas and those beta cells that make the insulin. Okay. And there's something called beta cell burnout. Um, so they, you know, because as, as you, as your body starts sort of going haywire with the, you know, the, the system's finely tuned. Okay. Our bodies are such amazing, um, systems. And when something starts getting a little out of whack, something has to work harder. Okay. And that's your pancreas in this case. So when your cells aren't, you know, accepting the insulin to open the receptors to take up the blood sugars. So the high blood sugar signals your pancreas is, I need more insulin, you know, because it's not working. Our cells are hungry. Our, our muscles are hungry. And so your pancreas starts pumping out more and more on these little beta cells. And, you know, there's a point where they sort of flame out. I mean, especially, you know, things stop working optimally as we age. So um, I just, I know this, I, I nerd out on this. <laughs> I love how the body works. I just find it fascinating. Uh, and so it might be more information than you need. Really what I want you to take away from that is, as always, I'm going to, you know, say, you know, saturated fats, you really need to be avoiding them. Um, not only is the fat easily um, stored on our bodies, uh, fat, get stored as fat. Whereas if you're eating carbohydrates, it takes more energy and, you know, because those want to be readily used. If you eat more carbohydrate than you use, okay. Um, it's that calorie in calorie out sort of idea, which is sort of outdated, but just to get a visual, if you eat more carbohydrate than you actually burn off or your body needs, then it can be converted to adipose tissue. Some of it goes into your muscles to be stored as glycogen and into your liver, liver because it's used for um, instant energy. You know, like when we were running away from tigers and bears, we needed like a, a sprint. Um, and so, 
you know, it does get stored, but then if you have even an excess of that, it gets stored as fat and it takes more to store it as fat energy energetically than fat needs to be stored as fat. So, um, you know, so you carbs can have you, and I just did a whole thing on carbs. You know, when I say carbs, I mean fruits and vegetables, but when you eat foods that have higher fiber, it's really hard to overeat them, you know? And so, um, versus the process. Remember we talked about process versus unprocessed carbs. Okay. Um, and so I'm talking about the whole unprocessed carbohydrates here that, you know, people can fill up on versus the processed carbohydrates that people can eat a whole bag of chips and not be full. So, so this whole idea of pre-diabetes, I, you know, I'm thinking about really doing, um, another summit just on that. Because I just think it's not talked about enough. I don't think the doctors push it hard enough. Um, I'm speaking from my own experience in that, you know, my husband, and not overweight, active, we thought we were eating healthy, right? We're cutting out all the fast food mostly and all the soda and blah, 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 doing what we thought was healthy in quotes um, and still was diagnosed. Uh, yes, his, his parents had diabetes, but, you know, um, what we realized is that he was still eating too much saturated fat. We had shifted from red meat to chicken. Okay. But the consumption of that didn't drop. We're still eating more than we should have been. It's just different. It's just in a different form. You're still eating saturated fat. And so with age and the genetic predisposition and all those things, he still got diabetes, never knew, never had that warning sign of prediabetes. Now, if you go back and look at some of your, your blood work, you either it wasn't tested for, they weren't checking blood sugars, or the doctor just didn't think it was high enough to alert him. Okay. So, um, because they just, you know, I think doctors get, uh, and I'm not, I'm not general, I'm generalizing here but they get a little immune to some of the numbers because they know people don't do anything. Okay. And that's the same thing with diagnosing diabetes and just offering medications. The human nature is human nature. Very few people um, want to make the changes. They just want to take a pill. That's our society. Just give me a pill and I'll do it. I, you don't know how many times I've had people tell, you know, the plate of bacon telling me they take Lipitor. So now they can't, which is a statin for cholesterol that, that allows them to eat bacon. And this is like, I just want to, you know, clunk them in the head and say, what are you doing? No, you know, um, that doesn't mean you can eat bacon. It's, you know, so anyway, bacon is my nemesis. I got to tell you, oh, I can't believe people still eat bacon. It's like the most disgusting food ever to me. Uh, I just, that's just, everybody has their thing, right? Well, that's mine. Um, yeah there was actually a restaurant in my town called bacon and butter. And I'm just like, people still eat that stuff. I just can't even believe it. But um, so anyway, that's the whole thing about prediabetes. And so, you know, with prediabetes, um, there is research that shows if you lose roughly 10% of your body weight um, within about six months of being diagnosed, you can dramatically reduce the risk of developing type two diabetes. Okay. And, and so that was, I think, a study out of John Hopkins. So, so you know, often what happens is this insulin, insulin resistance starts happening and you start gaining weight. And sometimes that should be, you know, I had a client recently 
um, that said, yeah, I just started gaining weight. I don't know why I hadn't changed anything. I was exercising the same, which was minimal. I was eating the same foods, which is a fair amount of processed foods. But, um, you know, she wasn't that old. Uh, you know, she was probably in her early 40s. She said, I just started putting on weight. She said, I don't know why. Well, in my mind, I'm like, because you're becoming insulin resistant, because you have a genetic history of diabetes and you're eating all this terrible food that's not, that's causing a bunch of fat. Okay. But really, um, she was making minimal changes, but really couldn't get her head around the changes that needed to be made to, um, you know, prevent diabetes. She wants to. But it's like this whole revamping of her diet um, was really too much that time. She's just not there yet. And that's, there's a, a, these are stages of readiness, right? And she was not at the, at the stage of let's do it, of action. She was in the stage of contemplation, kind of thinking about it. Yeah, maybe I'll try doing this and do a little bit of that. And then you know, lose a few pounds and she gains it back, you know, type thing. So we all been there. I mean, yes, I get it. It's not easy. So... What does it mean to be pre-diabetic? Um, you know, the numbers can be there's just numbers, numbers, numbers. Depends on how you measure, um, you know. But really, if you you know are watching your A1C, which is three a three month snapshot, you know, less than five point six is just normal. That five point seven to six point four is that pre-diabetes stage, okay? Um, and you know. Uh, if you're fasting, normal is 80 to 100, and that's when you're measuring your uh, milligrams per deciliters, right? And then the pre-diabetes would probably be about 101 to 124, and then diabetic it's over one, you know, 126 or 125 and up, or 126 and up. So impaired is 101 to 125. So, you know, you can just pull up a chart and look, and there's the numbers vary slightly, um, and really those numbers mean nothing to you unless you're testing. Okay. And so if you aren't even in the, that spectrum yet of your testing, you have to wait to go to the doctor to get it done. Um, you could go buy a testing kit and I guess probably test yourself um, if you're curious, but you know, the on the spot testing varies a lot. Um, and so like after you eat, it's going to jump up. And so, you know, between depending on your meal, if you're normal, it'll jump up to like 200 and maybe then it starts two to three hours. It starts coming back down. Um, so, you know, after two to three hours after eating, if your blood sugars is above 200, um, you know, it's you're in the diabetic range. OK, so. Um, so anyway, but the prediabetes, if if that's you, if you are having some higher readings, and you're carrying a little extra weight, um, you know, we know, like I said, losing some weight, which is if you're 200 pounds, losing about 10 to 14 pounds is like five to 7% of your body weight is a good start. And, um, you know, you know how I feel about dieting. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not condoning dieting. There are ways to get in touch with, you know, look at the foods you're eating and are they fueling your body the way they should be? Okay. So, um, and are you eating, are you paying attention to your hunger fullness cues? All right. So I'm not saying go on a diet because that's not sustainable. 
I'm saying, you know, you need to look at your behaviors and your habits and the foods that fit into your lifestyle. And, you know, are those foods really um, fueling your body? You know, if you could replace some stuff with, um, let's say you, um, let's say you eat bacon and eggs in the morning. Okay. Could you replace that? Because that's, that's fat. That is saturated fat on your plate. Okay. Could you replace that with something that doesn't have saturated fat, like oatmeal with berries? Okay. Maybe a smoothie with some vegetables thrown into it. Um, you know, maybe whole grain toast with, um, with avocado on it, avocado toast, uh, you know, leave the butter off, try to avoid the butter and try to avoid the, the bacon and eggs in the morning. So just start there. So you're not dieting. You're just finding better foods to eat that are really better for your health and really, um, will fuel you better, fuel you better for the day. I mean, you want that energy. So, um, yeah. So that's my thing. Pre-diabetes is, is kind of becoming my, uh, focus for a little bit because I know if I work with people with pre-diabetes, we have great results. I mean, people with diabetes, I have great results, but you know, uh, yeah, it just takes a little longer with pre-diabetes. I can make it happen faster with, with diet changes. If they, if they make the changes, you know, I, I, it's so frustrating to me when I work with clients that I wish I could do it for them. I wish I could, I can, you know, give them all these ideas and these tips and I can be there for them and look at the pictures of the food they're choosing and the foods they're cooking and, and call them and text them for support. But when it ultimately comes down to, they're the ones that have to make the change. Right. Um, and so it's, it's so frustrating for me. It's like, I wish I could just have them all come live with me and I could cook for them, you know, until we got them healthy and, and teach them that way. But, and I'm working on that. I think I'm going to try to do some retreats. I think that'd be fun. So anyway, if you'd love to work with me, uh, find me. Yeah, Nutrition with Robin, um, or email me at robin at nutritionwithrobinrdn.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, nutrition underscore with underscore Robin. I'm on Facebook, Nutrition with Robin. I am um, here. I'm on the podcast. You can go to the, the show notes and click on a link and find me. And yeah, I'd love to work with you and, and get you um back on track, get your health back on track, right? Because uh, every day is a, a blessing. We want to live it well, want to live it well. Don't want to be worrying about our health and, um, and having our health stop us, having our, these ailments stop us. So have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. I know there's about a million ways you can spend your time and I really do appreciate that you spent some time with me. Thank you. If you got something out of this episode and know someone who would also appreciate it, make sure to share it with them. We are all trying to get healthier in order to live well and you can show them you care about their health by sharing the, these messages. Want to start improving your health today? One place I like to start with clients is breakfast since morning habits are the easiest to build. That's why I created a guide called Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugars, which includes easy, delicious recipes for my favorite meals to start the day. Pick it up today for free at page.nutritionwithrobinrdn.com forward slash guide, or click the link for Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugar in the show notes. Thanks again, and see you in the next episode.